Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now, here he is, the Peabody award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Great America Show. We begin, of course, with the war on Ukraine. Russian tanks remain at the outskirts of Kiev. It appears those attacks throughout Ukraine are about to intensify, as the Russian shelling of key cities, including Maripol and others, are still holding out against the Russian invaders. And the war in Ukraine has expanded to a full-fledged global war on truth. The Russians called for a UN Security Council meeting to charge the United States with supporting a bioweapons program in Ukraine that Russia's military, as they moved deeper into Ukraine, discovered some 30 biological weapons laboratories working with the United States. The U.S. denied the charges and said Russia called the Security Council meeting to give legitimacy to their disinformation campaign. Ukraine President Zelensky said he's worried about Russia using biochemical weapons against Ukrainians, saying if you want to know what Russia is doing, look at what they accuse others of doing. The bioweapons claim was supported by Tucker Carlson, the highest rated cable TV host, earned the Mediaite Loser of the Week Award. Mediaite gave Tucker the award reluctantly, as they put it, for boosting the Kremlin claim over the White House claim. But there is another truth at work here that too many have missed. The Undersecretary of State, Victoria Nuland, in front of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, admitted the Ukrainians have what she called, quote, biological research facilities, end quote. And then she went on to say the Biden administration is concerned Russian troops may be trying to seize those laboratories and take control of the research materials contained in those labs. Whoa, that doesn't sound so innocent, does it? And especially coming from the Undersecretary of State, Newland. She's a hardcore neocon, and now we have another problem. She's created a hole in the White House denials. But for the sake of truth-telling and honest virtue, or for her ideological purpose, or that of the Biden White House, or are they one and the same? Ambiguity is condition normal at the State Department, and Newland just exited condition normal and raised new questions. Now, there's another problem. Who is telling the truth here? The Biden White House lies to the American people every day so I personally can't line up with him. And Putin isn't exactly a truth-sayer himself, is he? So I can't line up with him, certainly. So for a tiebreaker, I had to turn to Al Franken and his latest remarks. Disgraced former senator and hardcore leftist, Franken called poor Tucker a nasty name. POS, for those who want to decode the vulgarity that he used for supporting Putin over good old Honest Joe. 
So here we are, can't go with Franken, who always had a deeply disturbed relationship with truth, and not with Biden, who has never had a relationship at all. So it seems like an almost unbreakable tie to me, and I don't know how long it will be before we know the truth of the thing, if we ever do. But I keep coming back to Undersecretary Newland's non-denial, and I have to say, Mediate may be proved right, ultimately. But Carlson's not the loser quite yet. There are far too many lies flying in the midst of the biggest disinformation campaign since the Cold War to declare anyone the loser. And we probably won't know until we have a winner. And that winner looks to be a long ways off, unfortunately. The Republicans have stepped into the Ukraine crisis and may well have created an electoral crisis for themselves, the 40 GOP senators who are calling for the Biden White House to give Ukraine the Polish MiG fighters they asked for, and maybe throw in another few A-10s just for good measure, despite Vladimir Putin's warning that he would take that as an act of war. No problem, say those 40 Republicans, including, of course, Mitt Romney. Biden says, no way. And unfortunately, the war in Ukraine is far from over. No talks between Ukraine and Russia are scheduled, and the UN and the European Union appear hapless and incapable of bringing about even a ceasefire or perhaps even talks aimed at that result. To take up all of this, we're joined by Congressman Greg Stubbe, a member of the Foreign Affairs and Judiciary Committees. Congressman Stubbe, great to have you with us. And let's start with Ukraine. Uh, your thoughts uh, as we are watching uh, President Zelensky uh, put on an amazing display of leadership, uh, taking his country uh, and put it, matching it up with the second biggest military in the world and at least staving off uh, the Russians for the time being. Yeah, I mean, he's really emerged as a world leader, which is interesting, given his background. He was like a comedian or an actor or something before he got elected. But um, he has certainly stepped up and done exactly what you expect a leader of a country who's being attacked by a, a dictatorship, evil regime to do. He's out there wearing a bulletproof flak vest with his soldiers. He's out there um, trying to encourage his people to be courageous. And he's doing exactly what I wished our leaders in the White House um, and in the administration were doing and portraying a very strong position of power and strength to um, to encourage the people in the Ukraine to continue to fight against Russian aggression and uh, beg the rest of the Western world and the United States and other countries to send him the weapons, the ammunition, the equipment, the javelins, uh, which, oh, by the way, Trump did when Trump was president, sent him javelins um, right. to be able to defend himself and his people. And it's just absolutely heartbreaking to see these video footage. I saw one this morning of a tank, um, a Russian tank shooting a what was clearly a civilian vehicle. It looked like a two-car, a two-door sedan that we now find out there was an elderly Ukrainian couple there. I mean, the, 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 the videos, the reports that we're getting of targeting civilians, shooting hospitals, shooting um, civilian targets is absolutely atrocious. It violates rules of war. It violates the Geneva Conventions. And this country, the Russian Putin and the Russian government should be held accountable for all of this. Yeah. And I don't think that uh, too many people expected much, much more of the Russian military. Uh, they are, 
uh, they have a reputation uh, that uh, suggested that they would just roll over uh, Ukraine and uh, take Kiev within a matter of days. It's now been weeks, and they are they are at the door of Kiev. But nonetheless, the, the Ukrainians have done a, a masterful job uh, carrying the, the resistance and the Ukrainian military carrying the fight to them uh, wherever they could. You, you mentioned javelins, Congressman, and the fact that President Trump is the one who uh, gave those, uh, sent those to the Ukrainians. Those are remarkably effective weapons. And to see the video of that uh, relatively small convoy of T-72 Russian tanks. I mean, they annihilated them with those weapons. Uh, that's really an extraordinary weapon in the arsenal, isn't it? Yeah, and I think we should be doing more of that. Um, and, and, you know, we're not, I, I, I still don't, well, I understand the logistical pieces of putting the Patriots in Poland because Ukrainians sure. just don't have the training to deal with a weapon system like that. I get that. But let's get them what we can. Let's get them weapons. Let's get them ammo. Let's get them javelins. Let's, let's get them things that will be able to defend themselves because as like I was explaining in the video I saw this morning, a, a normal suburban civilian vehicle isn't going to stand against a Russian tank. So if there's things that we can do to protect the, 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 the civilians and the citizens of Ukraine, I think we absolutely have an obligation. I think, I think we actually have a moral obligation uh, to help in any way that we can. And, and Congress passed some aid last night, and I'm glad that they separated the Ukrainian aid from the rest of the reckless spending that the Democrats wanted to do that would send some um, aid, $14 billion of new aid for the Ukraine. Yes, and the passage of that legislation, critically important to the Ukrainians. Uh, and where are, where are we now with this $1.5 trillion spending bill? I mean, this is just one incredible record level of spending after another that is still being passed by this Congress, by the Senate, uh, and signed by the president, will be signed by the president. I, I mean, where does it stop? There is inflation, and we're watching fiscal policy that is absolutely out of control. Out of control. And let me just kind of go back a little bit to even emphasize that. When I first got elected to Congress, the deficit, I've only been in Congress for two cycles. I'm at the end of my fourth uh, year. The deficit was $21 trillion. We are now at $30 trillion in just a little over three years. Uh, so that's nine trillion onto the deficit with no stop in spending whatsoever. In the last two years, this Congress, led by Democrats, have spent eleven trillion dollars. That was before the one point nine trillion American Rescue Plan that Biden uh, passed when he first got elected president. That's not including the one point two trillion in an quote unquote infrastructure package, which only six percent of that actually goes to roads and bridges and what most Americans consider infrastructure. And then now this. It's just spending after spending after spending. And any economist will tell you if you dump a ton of cash on an economy and you're only taking in $3.5 trillion a year into the Federal Reserve, but spending two or three times that, you're going to cause inflation. And it's just it's, it's reckless abandon. And we have federal programs like Social Security and Medicare. You have programs within those um, federal programs that are going to be expending more money in the next year or so than they're actually taking in. Congress has got to stop the spending spree that is Washington, D.C., and the Democrats absolutely will not do it. The four years I've been in Congress, all they do is these omnibus or these uh, CRs, continuing resolutions to fund the government. This is the first omnibus that they've done. And it just 
is building and building on a spending that we cannot sustain economically in this country. And it almost appears as though this is a coordinated, uh, orchestrated, uh, finely uh, thought out uh, plan on the part of the Biden administration, the Democratic Party. They're trying to drive as much cash into this economy as they can. The idea that uh, Jerome Powell in his second term now as chairman of the Federal Reserve, uh, re- reappointed by President Biden, will do, do what, uh, you know, three interest rate hikes? I think it's pure nonsense, at least if they're if he might do three uh, quarter of a percent increases, but he sure is not going to do anything approaching a half or uh, or, or better uh, in the way of interest rates. Your thoughts about what will happen uh, and what will uh, happen as a result of the Democrats being in such poor shape. It looks like it's going to be an absolute slaughter in November. Your thoughts. Well, I I certainly hope it is going to be a slaughter. You have had crisis after crisis after crisis that it's almost you almost have to pick one of the the most uh, offensive crises to focus the American people on how bad this administration, the Democrats are. I mean, we have two million illegal immigrants that have crossed the border and they're getting TANF and food stamps and SNAP and all these benefits that most Americans who are working aren't aren't getting these benefits. You've got the the atrocity that occurred in Afghanistan, where you and I sitting here speaking, we still have Americans that are trapped in Afghanistan. We abandoned $80 billion worth of military equipment, ammunition, weapons, um, Humvees, Apaches, Blackhawks. Wouldn't it be nice if, if the Biden administration would have just transferred that $80 billion worth of military equipment to the Ukrainians instead of handing it over to a terrorist regime who's either going to sell it to the highest bidder, probably China or Russia, or use it for terrorist activity on top of inflation, on top of the record spending, on top of now Ukraine and their failures to do the things that they should have done long before they're now suddenly starting to react. It's almost like they're two weeks to a month behind doing what they should be doing and leading as a nation and leading as a country in this world and just kind of sitting back and waiting to see what happens. And then when there's so much of a of a rigor one way or the other, like putting sanctions on Russian oil. Finally, when, you know, 80%, the polls are like 80% of Americans support not importing Russian oil, suddenly then they decide to do something. And it's a month too late. They should have started these sanctions on the Russian government and on Putin and on all these other things that we could have done as soon as he started putting troops on the Ukrainian border. And it would have had a, a huge devastating effect on his economy before he even invaded. Yeah. And, and, uh, <laughs> This administration is just making it's almost preposterous to even think about taking them seriously. Here, the, here we are looking at an invasion, a war going on in Ukraine. And at the same time, we have to take them seriously. Uh, Biden and Harris, she's giggling her way through Poland. Uh, he is sleeping his way through his presidency. Uh, he spends more time in his Delaware basement than he does doing anything else as president. We are in deep trouble as a nation because we we don't have a, I would call it a leadership vacuum, but it, it's far worse than a vacuum. Uh, it's a, an explosion of incompetence and ineptitude. I, and I don't disagree with any of that. It's very disturbing to see a Kamala Harris laughing uh, and giggling her way through a press conference with the, um, the the president of Poland talking about the refugees and the Ukrainians 
And it's because the reporter before that clip, the reporter asked a very good, uh, a very pointed question. And she clearly didn't either one know how to respond or even what to say. So she just kind of laughed her way through it and then deferred to the Poland president for him for him to talk about it. Uh, they don't, it's because they don't know what their plans are. They don't know what to do. They don't know how to lead. Biden's clearly not the one making the decisions. It's other people in the administration that are making the decisions. And they're so far behind what they should be doing. And, and it was just crazy to me is we all know that if Trump was still president, none of this would be going on. The, the no. atrocity that occurred in Afghanistan wouldn't have happened. The Russians wouldn't be emboldened by the weak leadership that they saw in Afghanistan and knowing that they have leverage over this administration to do whatever they want to do. And, and this, this administration is not going to do anything to stop them. And, and Biden has the very same team at the top uh, for national security in his White House as did President Obama. They were regarded as incompetence then. They haven't learned a thing. As a matter of fact, they seem even more incompetent given their greater responsibilities now. Your, your thoughts about the carryover of Jake Sullivan, uh, now in, uh, as National Security Advisor, Tony Blinken, now Secretary of State, uh, and Kamala Harris and the President of the United States, woefully inadequate uh, to their responsibilities. Well, and that's a, that's a good point to make. And go back to, in, in the 90s, you had the Budapest Papers that were signed between Ukraine and Russia. In 2014, when Crimea was taken over, guess who was president and vice president? It was Obama-Biden. And so Putin was already trying to see what he would be willing to get away with, and he violated the terms of that agreement that was signed in the 90s in 2014, and this is, that prior administration did absolutely nothing to stop him, and he, he went forward and nothing happened. Then, then Trump came in and he didn't do a thing because Trump put sanctions on Russia. Trump put sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline to shore up so that he wouldn't have financial resources to do the things that he's doing. And one of the first things that Biden does when he comes in is lift the sanction on Nord Stream 2, open up billion dollars of revenue to Kremlin and to Moscow, and then sit back and wonder why the behavior is the way it is. It's because they should have sanctioned him back in 2014 when he was vice president and they violated uh, the, the Budapest papers, but they didn't. And so Putin knew that he could get away with whatever because they're not going to hold to the terms of the agreement that they had back in 2014. And so you have emboldened what is happening right now. And you have a very tricky situation from a NATO ally or a Western country situation because you don't want to send in American troops. You don't want to send in American pilots with our equipment because you're engaging now a nuclear power and you're going to start World War III. But I absolutely think we should have done all these sanctions on the front end. And, and a hard stance and strong leadership from the White House would have prevented all of this from happening. But now that we sit here, we have to provide what we can provide from a weapons and javelins and air defense artillery and all these things to help the Ukrainian people be able to defend themselves. And what does all of this say as uh, Xi Jinping watches? What does it say to communist China and their ambitions to take over Taiwan? It emboldens them. They're seeing the weakness in the White House. They're seeing that the, whole, the entire Western world and all the NATO allies are sitting by and letting the Russian army invade Ukraine, kill civilians, bomb places. And so what, where does that stop? I guess NATO and the Western world is perfectly fine them taking over the Ukraine. And, and 
the Chinese Communist Party is watching every bit of this and knowing, okay, well, we can also act in Taiwan. And although the United States agreements there are different than they are with the Ukraine, clearly we're showing weak leadership and and an unwillingness to engage and protect our allies, which Taiwan is one of those. So I, I can't help but think that the Chinese Communist Party is thinking through their war game scenario on how and when they, they intend to go into Taiwan, knowing that, one, this administration is not going to do anything to stop them. And two, if you have war in Europe, you have the Iranians wanting a nuclear warhead, and this administration is willing to put them on a path to, to go back into the JCPOA. There have all these other things happening in the world, and you're not focused on the Pacific, and it's, it's a ripe opportunity for them to do something. And as we conclude, you mentioned the Iranian deal that is apparently a a matter of days, perhaps uh, a week or two away from being uh, uh, pulled together by this administration. We are depending on on the UK uh, to to stop it of all of the crazy things, that being Republicans, uh, uh, everyone who is opposed to this. The White House adamant that it will be done. your thoughts? Well, it's horrible for the safety and security of the American people, and it is horrible for the safety and security of our strongest ally in the Middle East, Israel. We have no business going back into that agreement. I applaud President Trump and Pompeo for getting out of it when they were in the leadership of the White House. And look at how it affected the Iranian economy. Look how putting sanctions on them affected them. And now you have an administration begging uh, the Iranians to send us oil. The, the, the Venezuelans to send us oil. So I'm sure they do want to get into the JCPOA and lift sanctions in exchange for oil to be coming, coming into our country. And it's, it's, it's really a sad state for our country when we are begging Venezuela and the Maduro regime and the Iranians to pump more oil and send us more oil um, because we're not willing to take the decisions and be energy independent like we were under Trump right here in the United States. We could do it all right here but because this administration is guided in decisions based on progressive Green New Deal ideology, they're absolutely not going to open up the domestic production of oil and save every American at the pump and at the grocery store. And they could do that right now today. Biden could do that in the White House. Absolutely. And with that, Congressman, thanks for being with us here today. We appreciate it. Uh, great to talk with you and come back soon. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Congressman Greg Stubbe, thank you for being with us. We want to invite you to sign up for our Great America Show Advisory and Newsletter. Simply go to LouDobbs.com, that's LouDobbs.com, and click on the email newsletter button. It's as simple as that. And we'll send you our advisories and alerts as well as our weekly newsletter. I don't want to overstate anything, but I'm pretty sure you will absolutely sense at least a small positive change in your world outlook. We invite you to join us and stay in touch. While President Biden got a brief boost in his poll numbers in the latest Wall Street Journal poll, he's sagging back to pre-war levels. And there's strong opposition to any thought of sending our troops to Ukraine or even to Europe. Meanwhile, Ukraine is uh, fighting fiercely against the invading Russians who've taken heavy losses from the defenders. The Ukraine military says they've killed three Russian generals now, killed some 12,000 Russian soldiers, destroyed 800 vehicles and tanks, more than 100 artillery units, and 80-plus Russian helicopters. 
those again are Ukrainian estimates. And even if close, those casualties amount almost to the same level of Russian losses in nine years of combat in Afghanistan. So we'll see. I'd like to bring in now our good friend, legendary radio broadcaster, talk show host, Mr. New York himself, Mark Simone. Great to have you here, Mark. The Russian death toll, those lost tanks and artillery, if accurate, or even close, as I said, uh, would likely mean Russia may lose some more generals. Not good. Putin, reportedly, is very unhappy. Oh, well, you know, uh, it wasn't just Donald Trump, but Washington Post, Newsweek. You see these old headlines where they talked about him being brilliant, a genius. We always thought that, but uh, apparently it was just a myth. We always feared this Russian army strongest toughest ever apparently it was all a myth it was just awful this army doesn't they don't have night vision their bombs don't have precision uh bombing they can't hit anything you know i remember the gulf war uh the schwarzkopf would get there and show us how they want to hit a building the bomb would go right through the window in the middle of the building the uh russian army they got a massive municipal building they're lucky if they just clip the corner of the building it's this is was all a myth, and uh, I, I, I don't know where this ends for Putin. It's embarrassing for him. Yeah, well, one thing he doesn't have to worry about is the next election. Uh, he's got that pretty well yeah. wrapped, wrapped up, no matter how many countries he uh, invades or how poorly his military does. Uh, you know, I, you were mentioning uh, Iraq. Uh, I covered, uh, along with a lot of other people, uh, the Persian Gulf War. And saw the the Russian T seventy two tanks, uh, the Czech version as well, uh, in the Iraqi army, uh, and they were torn to pieces. I mean, the Abrams M one A one flying through there, blowing uh, those tanks up like they were cardboard. Uh, the the army of of Russia and the Soviet Union uh, were in desperate straits in the final years, but his army was supposed to have been marked completely revitalized new equipment, uh, new generations of uh, weaponry and firepower. Uh, it doesn't appear unless he is just withholding it. Uh, and that is a possibility. Uh, this, you know, this is really a, a significant setback for Putin and, and for Russia uh, geopolitically, isn't it? I, you, I thought that for the first week that it was some kind of trick, you know, like the old boxers acted like they didn't have a left-hand punch until the end. But, uh, uh, it's it's 20 days. I don't think this is a trick. I think they really don't have night vision. I think they really can't aim these bombs very well. And apparently uh, his supply chain that we're figuring on four or five days, they're out of gas, they're out of this, they're out. And the tires on that convoy keep blowing out. And, they, and people have said the corruption in Russia uh, has caused the production of everything their Defense Department buys to be just shoddy and not made right and uh, uh, we, we never thought we'd see this. And, you know, everybody's so afraid of China. Now I'm starting to wonder about China. Uh, how well, tough do you think that is? <laughs> well, I have to say, I'm, I'm not a fellow who would uh, hesitate uh, to call them out for all that they have done uh, to, this, uh, to this world of ours, the Chinese, uh, irrespective of uh, their so-called advanced military. Uh, they don't have enough uh, carriers. They don't have enough aircraft. They don't have enough advanced weaponry uh, to to contend with the United States, and and we and we should really, as Americans, understand that. Uh, that said, nobody wants to go to war. Nobody, uh, last of all, me, wants to go to war. But I'm really very tired of the expansionary, uh, ambitious uh, geopolitical hegemony hegemony that they want to establish. 
I, I just, I really think we just have to say enough, but I would like us to, you know what I'd like us to do though on that, when we send that message, I'd like to wait until the next administration, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what was it? Rumsfeld used to say, you go to war with the army you've got, not the one you necessarily want. And he was saying that about a great army at the time, but there's, it also applies to commanders in chief. Uh, going to war with this commander in chief is not my idea of a great exercise in judgment. What do you think? I think uh, there's nobody that loves Joe Biden more than Jimmy Carter. Jimmy Carter can now rest. <laughs> uh, he'll never be called the worst president ever again. <laughs> he is so grateful to Joe Biden for taking the title away. Uh, it is the worst thing I've ever, I've never seen a, you know, uh, Jimmy Carter, you know, he's doing things. They may not have worked, but at least he's doing something. And it, you look around his cabinet, you saw some pretty heavy names there. This yeah. uh, Biden is not only uh, feeble and bumping into walls, he's got a cabinet of just total incompetence. But Buttigieg knows nothing. General Granholm knows nothing. Uh, then he sends Kamala Harris to Poland. To, she's great if you love giggling and staring. But <laughs> could, you believe, that, could you believe, Mark, that performance that she put on with President uh, Duda of Poland? standing there i mean he bailed her out as she is having a giggle fit uh trying to figure out why she was there I, quite literally why was she there she kept trying to explain it and uh, between giggles and uh there wasn't a good reason for her to be there apparently yeah I, but i can't figure this out i don't know if they uh, they won't send to joe biden because he can't he's just too weak to do this or if they're trying to get ready to push her out the door and they want to really humiliate her a couple of times and there's all these rumors about her uh going to happy hour a lot and uh, drinking a little too much. When I see that giggling, I start to believe these rumors. I, I mean, I, in the middle of a war, you're, you're giggling. Yeah, they're trying to build up her gravitas and her standing as an international states uh, statesman. Uh, and, and But they can't do a lot of, you know, in between the interstitials between giggles. Uh, she just goes on and on. And she's the only one in the room having a good time. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I don't know what they think over there. This poor Zelensky, you know, he's asking for jets. He needs jets. He gets Kamala Harris over there. This is all he's got. Uh, and this guy has been such a hero. Uh, Churchill in a T-shirt. He's just unbelievable. And it's at the point now, I don't think, uh, I think Putin had better be careful not to kill him. The public relations nightmare of that would just destroy his reputation forever if yeah. it's not already destroyed. Yeah, the man who, well, we can, we can say this already. Uh, Vladimir Putin, the man who tried to kill uh, uh, Vol uh, Volodymyr uh, Zelensky. Uh, three times they've sent out assassination uh, crews, uh, and three times they took him down and protected the president. Uh, I mean, that's quite a record on the part of the, the Ukrainians. Yeah, and this is not helping Biden either for Americans to watch this great leader with this heroism, with this skill, the guy fighting off the Russian army with one hand. He's uh, stopping hit squads coming to get him with another hand and he's 40 years old just got been on the job a few months and we've got 47 years of experience joe biden who doesn't know where he is and can't do a thing <laughs> yeah well one thing he did show courage uh he uh he did himself go to admittedly to the border there he didn't go to poland uh he, he's not in warsaw but he did send kamala harris and you've got to have some courage to even think about sending her anywhere for any reason. Uh, he sent her to the last place. Remember, he sent her to was the border. She didn't make it to the border. Uh, this time she made it. And I think everybody's pretty upset about the fact that she actually got there. 
I don't think anybody would, I wouldn't trust her to put a quarter in a parking meter. I mean, she's, she's not capable of anything. Uh, and as a whole cabinet, the only reason she's still there is who would you replace her with? Buttigieg, another uh, useless guy. Uh, uh, they're all, uh, uh, Blinken and uh, Jake Sullivan, just useless. Can you imagine that team of uh, intellectual giants? Tony Blinken as Secretary of State, Jake Sullivan, National Security Advisor, Kamala Harris, Vice President of the United States, and the topper, Joe Biden, President yeah. of the United States. Yeah, uh, and if you were Putin and watching this, watching Blinken and all this, this, this crew, uh, I mean, I'd say it, but I can't. I'm obviously going to understand why he took this moment. Now, obviously, you're never going to get uh, a, a circumstance like this again, where he, in his mind, it's so easy to invade. They'll, they'll be totally useless. They won't know what to do. Yeah, it's it's frightening in, in very real terms to think what Vladimir Putin is doing in Ukraine, uh, but to see the sophomoric nonsense that is uh, emanating from a uh, from the White House, it, it, it's truly uh, deeply disturbing, especially when you compound that with a poll that tells us the difference between Democrats and Republicans, at least another difference, and the Quinnipiac poll revealing that if Russia were to invade the United States, they'd only have to go after the Republicans because the Democrats in that poll say that they would cut and run. It's, it's a huge number. I think it's like something like 70% of them say they'd run like hell. What, yeah. what do you think? I think if the Russia took over the United States, at least we'd be less woke, less PC. <laughs> we'd do a better job on crime. <laughs> might, um, might improve things a little. But uh, well, it's, It is uh, one way to, I think, on election day, I mean, the, the Republicans have been handed a perfect ploy, a perfect gambit. They can just put out these phony announcements, taking a page from the, their Democratic uh, opposition and just uh, announce that Russians have, in fact, invaded the United States and they'll <laughs> run like hell and won't get to vote. Yeah. I, I mean, there's a, a, a certain deal. I see. I'm starting to pick up on this Democrat thing. Aren't you aren't you proud of me? Yeah, I, I don't know what they're thinking with crime out of control. With the gas prices, you, you know, this is like a $400, $450 a month tax on the middle class. You know, and they they were so proud of Joe Biden, get a little bump from the State of the Union, a little bump up in the polls. Yeah, till the next day when everybody went to the gas pump, end of the bump. That was it. Yeah, uh, I, I, my producer just handed me a huge correction I have to make. Uh, I, I said it was a very high percentage of the Dems that would cut and run. Only 40% of them would cut and run. Yeah, 68% uh, of Republicans would not cut and run. So that's a very, uh, very uh, reassuring poll when I think about it. Yeah. Uh, the most frightening thing of the week, though, was this news story that and, and the media collusion with the Democrats. They're not publicizing this much, but Joe Biden decides to call the leader of Saudi Arabia, the UAE leader. Oh, yeah. And both refused to take his call. That should have been the biggest news story of the week. That is a once in a lifetime event. In my lifetime, I've never heard of, it may have happened, but the, those administrations would have been smart enough never to let anybody know it. Uh, I have never heard of a report of a president making a phone call that a foreign leader would not, uh, would not take the call. I mean, that's outrageous. The Saudis, the, the United Arab Emirates, just not taking his call. Uh, it, it's, have you ever heard of such a thing? It's uh, it's the greatest sign, right? That right there, and again, it should have been front page news. 
the mm-hmm. greatest sign of his total weakness on the world stage. And when he ran, half that campaign was uh, his gravitas in the world, how he knows the world leaders. He's worked with them. I mean, no one knows them better than him. They won't even take his phone call. Yeah, and and for all of this nonsense about, uh, you know, it's only the Republicans who think that the Democrats are the the party of evildoers and, uh, uh, and asinine uh, policymakers. Uh, it, it's clear that the other countries, I mean, the same thing is happening with NATO. They're not interested in hearing from this guy. They, uh, they simply wanted the sanctions and the money uh, for NATO, but they're not interested in anything else. And, and there's not a leader amongst them, really, uh, and not a proven leader. So he should be very comfortable uh, with them, but they're, but they're rejecting him outright. Yeah. And if Donald Trump were president, if people say, well, what would he do? And one thing he'd do is he'd be on television every day denouncing Putin. He'd look into the camera and talk right to Putin. What are you doing to your reputation? You look like a madman, a maniac, a baby. He would never stop. And that works on on even the most ruthless dictator. Uh, but Biden to remain silent the whole time to go to yeah. Delaware on vacation in the middle of a war. You know, he was in his basement in Delaware. He's underground more than Zelensky is. This is ridiculous. <laughs> it's true. It is absolutely true. But in his own way, I think he is. Uh, he does have a lot of incoming. It's verbal. It's, uh, uh, you know, some pretty vicious attacks. Uh, thankfully, neither you nor I would uh, would think of considering a, a criticism of the good president. Uh, talking about Trump, you do know he, what he'll do, as you say, because uh, we've got a record. Uh, no one, no one went to war against the United States. No one fired a missile from North Korea. And no one was uh, test firing uh, their weapons, uh, whether it's Russia or China, uh, as, as they've been doing for 12 long months of the Biden uh, presidency. It's got to be more than that. It just seems like more than that maybe two years worth at least of the Biden presidency. Yeah, I was watching uh, Chuck Todd and he actually looked in the camera and said, well, this talk of it wouldn't have happened under Donald Trump. We don't know that. There's no way to know that. Yeah, there is. We tried it. We tested it for four years. Yeah, <laughs> we've got a four. He has a four year record, Chuck. Uh, and by the way, that's despite you being uh, uh, a craven uh, little phony uh, journalist uh, the whole time. Uh, yeah. What a joke Chuck, Chuck Todd is. My Lord. Uh, is speaking of jokes, uh, this uh, Michael Sussman, the John Durham special counsel, comes after him, and he wants he wants all of the the charges and statements about him removed because he was just exercising his freedom of speech uh, rights, uh, and even though he did lie to the FBI, uh, these were not materialized. They were just the foundation for Hurricane Crossfire. They were just the foundation for what became the special counsel that attempted to overthrow the president of the United States. Can you yeah. believe this guy? Well, yeah. And listen, I'm all for John Durham and the great work he's doing, but you're going to have to be Rip Van Winkle to see this report ever finish. I mean, well, <laughs> it, it is moving slower. a little. I will give you that part. It's moving just a little slowly. Uh, let's see. We're at President 46, uh, 47, 48. Yeah. We, we can be well into the 50s. Uh, I mean, this is like watching them pave a road. You come back a year later, they're still paving. This is how the government works. Well, it, it, it is. And, and and now we're finding out so many things about the election in Michigan, in Arizona, in Wisconsin, in Georgia, Pennsylvania, 
uh, all that people were saying, not all, but nearly all of what they were saying in the immediate aftermath of the November 3rd election in 2020, well, guess what? After we sift through the ashes for, uh, what, 14 months, uh, we now know that, you know, there was a lot to those anomalies, irregularities, and illegalities that we were watching on television. Yeah, uh, you know, but also the more frightening thing is the George Soros-type money that comes in and uh, the Mark Zuckerberg uh, half a billion, and, you know, yep. it's legal. It's stealing an election in a legal way, but uh, Republicans either have to do something about that or get their own version of that going, because unless they counter that, I don't know how they how they win elections anymore. Yeah, well, uh, if they don't count it, and if Zuckerberg is not in, held accountable for what he did, uh, and by the way, those those drop boxes, uh, the little the little you know, <laughs> I don't know how anybody could figure that was a good idea, but uh, they they, it what was it it was Michigan, it was in uh, Georgia, other states as well. I mean, it's just an invitation to voter fraud. And that's exactly what happened in many of those uh, many of those states. Uh, speaking of George Soros, and often we do here on the Great America Show, we find out that the CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Committee, the American Conservative Union, took money from a subsidiary of the George Soros uh, network uh, to what almost two hundred thousand dollars. Did you hear about that? Yeah, um, but uh, there's so many George Soros subsidiaries, you know, uh, the, Tony Soprano didn't use as many buffers to disguise himself from these things, but uh, CPAC should have known better. That's one organization that should have known. Yeah. And, and then a lot of blowback because uh, people are a little upset about a conservative organization that doesn't mention abortion, uh, family, uh, family uh, support. Uh, I mean, you go through the list. Uh, it's really remarkable. They're under great fire uh, and uh, the uh, and not taking a position on uh, the transgender uh, swimmer up in Pennsylvania or down in Pennsylvania. Uh, I, you know, personally, I don't care one way or the other. If, if people think it's a great idea to have men uh, racing against women, I mean, I can't I, I those are folks I can't argue with. I, I, it just, to me, on its face, doesn't make any sense. Well, uh, your thoughts? Uh, as far as CPAC, you know, they, it, 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 it become a convention. That's all it is. It's a convention. It's a travel organization. Uh, money is flowing in for the conference, sure. the convention. The, the, there's an old saying in Washington. It's the most important saying. Whatever starts as a movement always turns into a business and eventually becomes a racket. That applies everywhere. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, so what what do you think about uh, this? Uh, I don't know what you'd call it. Kerfuffle, uh, contentious uh, discussion over uh, transgender uh, men uh, to women uh, sports. Uh, it, it seems to me on its face to be unfair to women. Uh, your, your thoughts? Uh, I, I just... To me, it's got to be a cycle. And I just think normal voters are going to wake up one day and just say, let's uh, let's go back to everybody using their own bathroom. Everybody play their own sports. Everything was working fine for years. Uh, it, 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 how many, I mean, it's got to stop at some point. You just can't keep jumbling and throwing everything into a blender and just mixing it up so there's no, no identity left anymore at all. And it's ruining sports. 
Yeah, and, and I think it's just terribly unfair to women I, to, because men, no matter how much uh, women want to argue about parity and equality, uh, men are just genetically stronger, more powerful. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it, it just doesn't make sense to me to, to put them, you know, after Title IX is put in place for women to have sports and equal facilities. And, you know, that's a great thing. And then to get, get involved with this issue uh, is, is just, to me, uh, disappointing. And by the way, I think it's a very selfish thing on the part of these uh, uh, transgender participants. Let them do what they wish, but make a decision about what the impact of what they're doing is. Are they being fair to those women? I think they have a responsibility to ask that question themselves. You don't need regulations. You don't need law. You just need people who are as concerned about others' uh, rights and uh, fairness uh, as you are your own. And I would love to see that result. Uh, Anxiety spiking. Can you imagine this in Joe Biden's America, according to Breitbart? High levels of stress due to rising prices. Well, I, I, I have to believe there's a lot of stress because these are the highest prices in 40 years, for crying out loud. Well, I was in the gas station the other day, and I hear a guy, he starts screaming from four pumps away, and he said, I don't know what he's yelling when he goes, $94. Wow. $94. Yeah. Uh, you know, they don't realize what this does to people. Uh, I'm sure you heard about Stephen Colbert with his tone-deaf remarks. Oh, about, my Lord. I'm happy to pay an extra $2 a gallon. It gives me a clear conscience. Well, this is a war on the middle class. This is literally four or $500 a month and an extra tax on people that can't afford this. Yeah. And nothing causes stress more than a budget problem like that. And it's going higher. Yeah, you know what I've always thought about? Uh, uh, John Stewart, I think, is one of the smartest, ablest comedians around. He's just a great guy. Uh, uh, well, he's a little nasty to, to me, but that's all right, because we have different <laughs> views. But uh, he, he's a terrific guy, smart guy. Uh, Colbert? Colbert is a smart guy as long as he's got 14 writers working for him. Uh, it's quite a difference. Uh, what a silly remark for him to make. I uh, love this. Go ahead. You know, he also said, yeah, I watched him speak out about income inequality. Nobody spoke out more about income inequality. Let me point out, he gets $20 million a year. Everybody in the crew <laughs> gets $1.50. <laughs> the writers get <laughs> This guy is the biggest phony ever. Yeah, it, 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 when you see people uh, on TV, entertainers, whatever it may be, even newscasters, if the, the if truth be known, uh, you know, talking about money, they're damn fools. It just really, uh, particularly if they're talking about their own uh, damn money. Uh, and this idea that, speaking, speaking of tone deaf, uh, and on the same subject, Kamala Harris, well, she's just fine with that uh, uh, that ban on Russian crude because that'll make everybody drive an electric car. I mean, she really doesn't understand that there aren't enough electric cars right now for the people who have bought them, let alone the people who want to buy them, let alone the people who want to buy them but can't afford them. Uh, they're the complete, and I'm using her as an avatar for the entire political class of the left. They are so damn dumb, don't you think? They're just, uh, they're not, no contact with reality. You know, everybody will go to an electric car. We all want an electric car when it's ready, when the infrastructure is there, when you can charge it in two minutes, When right. and that'll be in 10 years. You know, in the beginning, nobody wanted a cell phone because you couldn't hear, it was too big. It was, we stuck to our landlines. We wanted our landlines. But 
once the cell phone was perfected, once it was phenomenal, we all switched over. So it's the same thing with electric cars. Wait till they're perfected. Wait till you got the iPhone 13 of cars and we'll all switch in a second. Yeah, I, you know, I shouldn't even bring this up because uh, I, I prefer to be uh, regarded as intelligent. But the fact of the matter is, when I was in Tokyo in the 80s, I saw everybody over there with a, with a cell phone. And I was the, I was one of the geniuses. There were I had some good company too, but I was one of the geniuses who said, "Boy, this will never catch on in America. Who wants to bother with all of that? Who you know walking across the street with a cell phone? No way. Uh, I could have made a fortune, I tell you." But you were right back then, and it wasn't perfect. Steve Jobs never said, "Let's drive the cost of landlines way up, and that'll force people over." Instead, he said, "Let's perfect this thing so everybody wants one," and that's the key to electric cars. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this autonomous car is just a little ahead of itself. That, that's jumping. That is truly jumping the shark in innovation to say we want autonomous cars. Let's get to the electric car first, and then well, we can start thinking. The autonomous cars, it can park itself. If you got 25 minutes, <laughs> it takes forever to park itself. But Yeah, with, uh, can you imagine that when they get those things speeded up, uh, you know, yeah. the six-second uh, parallel parking job? That's just push yeah. the button and, and clear the clear the curb oh man so are, are you're not excited about john durham and what he is uh, proving about whether it's whether it is simply a historical record and late accountability for the evildoers uh i i'm excited about it because sussman obviously uh was at was part of the foundation of this whole fraud that was perpetrated into this very day uh results in the persecution of donald trump uh, and his entire family yeah, listen, Donald, uh, uh, Durham is doing great work. He's he's thorough. He's excellent. I, I and I can't, every time I talk about how long it takes, they tell me, well, Ken Starr, that was four years, five years, and it's always four years. He's but uh, I, the only thing he's gotten is his advantage. Obviously, the media will not cover this much because this doesn't look good. This stuff, so they keep the uh, the spotlight off him. But I think that helps Durham. I think that's going to make it easier for him. Yeah, I do too. And uh, where does you know, where do you think we we go from here uh, with the ban on oil? The Biden administration is has been proved to be uh, just reckless uh, and, and and really, really impaired uh, for three months. They knew about the prospect of the invasion. We're even talking with the Chinese about how to stop it. Uh, not thinking all the while that our intelligence that we were turning over to the Chinese uh, would also be passed on to the to the Russians by their uh, strategic partner, uh, Mr. Xi Jinping. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, it's all up to November. In uh, we're expecting the Republicans. Of course, they they have a way of screwing up anything, but we expect them to take the House and the Senate. But it could be the biggest landslide we've ever seen. I just I I just think common sense Americans will show up like never before. You know, in New York, we got this crazy district attorney, no bail, no jail, nobody goes, this is going on all over the place, this crime wave, the price at the pump, the inflation. We've never had, I mean, again, Jimmy Carter looks like a genius compared to this this crew. So I just think in November, they get wiped out and I don't know, are they smart enough to switch direction? Uh, I hope so. I hope so. Yeah, well, I, I hope not. I hope I hope that they walk walk right into that buzz saw uh, in November, and I hope that uh, we do not see 
uh, Nancy Pelosi ever again hold a gavel. Uh, Chuck Schumer will forever be uh, without a, a, a cheap uh, sports coat. Uh, and, uh, and frankly, uh, we'd watch uh, good old Adam Schiff, uh, you know, just sit in the corner sucking his thumb, uh, fearful of the next moment of, uh, in, of investigation. Uh, from the Republican-led Justice Department. Doesn't that have a ring to it, the Republican-led Justice Department? Yeah. It's a Democrat-led Justice Department, but if you say Republican, you think, oh, well, that's not right. We shouldn't be partisan about it. What do you think? Well, and the Republican uh, taking over uh, everything, they'll take over the January 6th commission. They can do some real investigating. Donald yeah. Trump told you three times, have 10,000 troops. Who exactly didn't do that? Why is that cop waving people in that, cop at the opened up the fence there all that kind of stuff who shot ashley babbitt and why what was the reason yeah you know you know who's done a really great job on this is julie kelly uh the author of the book january 6 she's been on, on our show a couple of times uh she is just uh, i mean she is asking all the right questions for example no one still knows uh, where vice president kamala harris was uh uh that day uh, she was supposed to be in the Capitol building, but nobody seems to be able to prove it. And the Secret Service won't give us uh, her whereabouts. And by the way, Vice President Mike Pence, where was he? It turns out they don't want to let anybody know that either. Uh, and, and the list goes on. Ray Epps, the people who one of the people who apparently was playing a third grade hall monitor to get people shuffled into uh, the Capitol building. And the questions go on and on and ask of the FBI how many of their people were there that day and how many of them committed a crime while they were there. And the representatives of the FBI say to Congress in, upon their congressional inquiry, uh, we can't tell you because we got to protect our sources and methods. Well, if they're protecting sources and methods, it's pretty clear they were there in, <laughs> in, pretty, in pretty good force. And if they take over the January 6th commission, all these lies about they tried to hang, hang Mike Pence. Nobody was trying to hang Mike Pence at every protest. In fact, the summer before, they always had one of those dummies in a noose and a sign that said, hang Donald Trump. There were millions of those. Nobody took that seriously. Uh, and they even major newscasters say the insurrection. Nobody's been charged with insurrection. There are 1,200 charges filed here. Nobody's charged with it. There isn't an insurrection if no one's charged with it. One of my favorite charges against these people, uh, favorite in the sense that it is farcical, uh, it is demonic, uh, and it is outrageous on the part of the Democrats and the justice system, the Justice Department, the FBI, and the court system. This, uh, this violation of law that they're bringing against some of the protesters and demonstrators and people who entered the building that is parading on, on government property. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I compare that to the, to the four months of summer riots and, and mayhem brought by Antifa and uh, Black Lives Matter. I, I mean, the comparison, uh, Kelly in her reporting points out, three more, three times as many people are being charged and prosecuted uh, if for that four hours of demonstration, and yes, some people did riot, but four times, uh, four months worth of the of arson and viciousness and shootings and whatever, you know, four times the number, excuse me, three times the number is in the, uh, arrested in those three months. Uh, it's just ridiculous. You know, also, I went back and looked at this video. During the Kavanaugh hearings, protesters got into the chamber started screaming they stopped the proceedings the proceedings had to be stopped 
till they got these people out of there. But it was the same thing. They stopped a government proceeding in the Capitol from happening. Took a while to resume it. Nobody was even given a ticket. Oh, Nobody these were was... the this were the uh, Operation Pink protesters, I believe, in the uh, uh, in the Kavanaugh hearings. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah, but supposedly it's sacred. You can't go in the Capitol and actually disrupt a proceeding. Well, oh, more than that, it's a it's a doggone felony. We found out. Yeah. I, I mean, a felony. Uh, and by the way, if we had known that, uh, some of the Republicans would still not have said a word. They would have sat there on, with their you know, sitting on their hands, being ever so quiet. Uh, well, it's great to be talking with you, Mark, and I appreciate it always. Uh, have the opportunity for us to sit down. Uh, you get the last word here. Uh, that's I our love, convention. I love this podcast. I listen all the time. It is great, and uh, keep it up. Thanks for that, Mark. And congratulations on staying on top, as always, with your show. Not just Mr. New York, King of New York Radio and Nationwide. Thanks for being with us, Mark Simone. And thank you, everybody, for joining us and making The Great America Show one of the top political podcasts in the country. Even in Canada, the UK, all over the world, folks are listening to us. We're actually number one in Tanzania. Did you know that? Well, now you do. And be with us Monday when our guest will be Robert Cahaley on what else? Politics. And what are these two political parties up to? Thanks, everybody. God bless you and God bless America. Join us again tomorrow for the Great America podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds.